Hello, I'm Skosha Morkovich. Welcome back for another episode of Creative Responders in Conversation, our monthly interview series where we hear from people on the front lines of the arts and emergency management sector as they prepare, respond and recover from disaster. Today's guest is Kelly Sutherland. Kelly is a Creative Recovery Coordinator, working with Regional Arts Victoria to support bushfire-affected communities in northeast Victoria. I think that something that's super beneficial is to be less structured in our understanding of what normal or what our recovery outcome needs to be. If that has flexibility, then we can get there more easily. Kelly is an artist and performer, well known for her role as founding member and creative co-director of musical group Architecture in Helsinki. More recently, she has worked in arts communication and cultural partnership roles in the northeast and border regions of Victoria, forming a strong understanding of community-led activities and engagement practices. We wanted to speak with Kelly to shed some light on the great work she's doing with Regional Arts Victoria, and also to discuss the importance of the community and creative recovery roles and the local networks within which they operate. As we face a new reality of cascading challenges, these kind of roles, when supported in an ongoing way, can make a significant impact in communities and provide a continuity between recovery, preparedness and response that is really foundational for building community resilience. I sat down with Kelly in person in Beechworth, Victoria, where she lives with her young family. We had just completed a weekend of creative recovery training with a group of 10 leaders working across the North East Shires, which you'll hear us refer to a little in our conversation. I hope you enjoy this conversation with creative responder Kelly Sutherland. Well, thanks for joining us today, Kelly. Thank you, Scotia. Our In Conversation series, and we're here on the beautiful country of Beechworth. What's this? Can you tell us a little bit about this area? Uh, Beechworth is part of beautiful high country of northeast Victoria on um, unceded Aboriginal land and um, a wonderful place to live and an incredibly dynamic and diverse creative community here. You've been living here for a few years now as a resident and you've been in service or working within the northeast Victoria community for a period of time following and responding to the Black Summer Seasons Fire as a Creative Recovery Officer for Regional Arts Victoria. Can you tell us a bit about what's been going on here and what's um, the breadth of the kind of work area that you're covering and working with? Yeah, sure. Um, So Regional Arts Victoria, I was employed by them in in August last year, um, 2020, and since then been um, supporting creative projects in response to the bushfires that came through the northeast in the summer of 1920. So my area geographically covers um, five shires across the northeast of Tawong Shire, Alpine Shire, Indigo Shire, Wangaratta Shire and Mansfield. And um, over that entire geographical area, there was incredibly diverse and different impacts, especially up through the Alpine and Taowong regions, they experienced significant burn and um, loss of 
loads of land and livestock and an incredible disruption to their communities. And throughout the rest of the Northeast, other varied impacts. So the first part of my role really was to support participants to the uh, Creative Recovery Small Grant Program that Regional Arts Victoria got funding to administer. And that was a small $5,000 grant for um, creatives or organisations who wish to embark on a creative recovery program for their community or for themselves as an individual artist. And one of the wonderful things that was um, advocated for and included in that grant was um, for loss of materials. So that was a really new addition to most of the arts grants that are available. So we were able to support artists who had lost work, and I mean that by their creative work that they'd already produced, and uh, materials or tools for their creative making that they had lost in fire, as well as then the other creative recovery projects. And we were able to support, I think it ended up being 24 projects across the Northeast. And that varied in what those projects were going to be. And so my role has been supporting those successful applicants and then also steering those who weren't successful in the grant to other funding opportunities and then keeping on connecting them with community and partnering them up with other um, projects that of a similar, all different, all different, just basically being an advocate for the work to continue. And so... Aside from having the small grant, um, my role in the Northeast was also to act as a bit of an agent of um, relationships between the local councils and potential projects or projects that wish to be introduced into a community but didn't have connections within that community. So sort of as a buffer between the community-led responses that were going on and the projects that may be available for that community. I'm really interested to understand a little bit more that kind of, I suppose, buffer or advocacy role that you're talking about. Can you um, unpack a little that role that you have identified as a kind of advocate or a a buffer in terms of the different um, services that are part of an emergency management disaster recovery? There are so many different collective roles that are played in that space. And, you know, we're one of many different service providers or supporters that come into communities or are part of communities in this time of recovery. What would you understand um, that role to be that you're playing or how how do you perceive that its impact would be operating in that place of so much influence, really? Well, I think um, one of the greatest strengths of having a uh, worker who is representing a peak body such as Regional Arts Victoria is the access to that sector knowledge and linkages to that knowledge as well as local knowledge of knowing who all the creative people are working in the area and also being in the position where I'm at um, committee meetings with a cross-section of all of those working within the recovery space, all of different agencies from health and wellbeing on social recovery committees as well as LGA contacts. So I, I kind of have uh, a, a foot in every 
um, corner piece of pie. What's the <laughs> what's the thing? Um, and able to just bring a little bit of that expertise of how creative recovery approaches can be implemented within the space of recovery. What do you think is the the added? Well, what do you think is different in our, what we might call a creative recovery approach to what might already be active within disaster recovery space? Do you know, it's, um, it's really funny. Mostly I think about creative recovery as creative responses to the recovery space. But more recently, I've begun to understand that it's about kind of flipping that where it's a recovery response to the creative space. So I think just having having that knowledge, local knowledge especially, of what that creative space is and where within that needs recovering. So we already know the incredible um, health well-being benefits of the creative arts and how being involved in creative arts and arts participation leads to um, really positive community and community building outcomes. And so when a disaster strikes, it's just so often not thought of that the creative sector is actually completely disrupted. Um, In this instance, everything's been compounded by the pandemic and there had been zero opportunity for those community gatherings. So my approach has really been about how can we energise and how can we really um, uh, focus on building what the the creative arts and the creative um, elements within the community to regain some kind of sense of vibrancy that it once held within that community. So... Yeah, that's how I can answer that. Mm. Continuing um, uh, a capacity to contribute in multiple ways. It's, yeah. a, it's a kind of that balance which is in great conversation at the moment between understanding the weight of recovery comparatively to preparedness, whereas if we have strong structures, social ties, capacity at a local level, as a continuum of growth, the impacts of, that we feel in a point of disaster can be mitigated more effectively. Most certainly. I think even within the communities that I'm working, there has been a real focus on not just uh, re-energising and reinvigorating that creative arts space, but actually reintroducing it to the community as a whole, where perhaps it wasn't as valued as highly in some of these more rural communities. And now this has an opportunity to really see that value. And so it's it's capacity building at the same time as recovery. So there's a whole lot of preparedness work that I feel like the projects that I've been supporting has been able to um, make really, yeah, really involve themselves with in. Four, with two. <laughs> <laughs> Make significant impact too with four in out. <laughs> yeah. What I mean is that the preparedness is happening at the same time as these um, projects, recovery projects are happening, rebuilding preparedness in a way that perhaps wasn't even there to begin with. But yeah, preparedness, especially um, as creative the creative arts role within preparedness is um, often overlooked and really significant, especially for the reasons that I was saying before when 
you participate in arts projects or, you know, just gather as a group, then the really significant connections are built. And that's really what preparedness is based on or should be based on. The challenges that individuals and communities are facing in the current environment of cascading impacts are growing at a kind of exponential level, our capacity to maintain our our energy and our focus and our resources and the the building of skills while repairing the weaknesses that have been opened up for us. What do you think we're going to be needing in this new landscape in terms of community and how where do you think that we could start working on the building? You were saying that capacity is being built at the same time of looking at recovery and there's a kind of sense of continuity in there. But what do you think we could add into that mix that might be useful for this very unknown future that we're heading into? Well, it's really hard to not really frame this in a personal sense. Mm. Um, But I think that something that's super beneficial is to be less structured in our understanding of what uh, what normal or what um, what our recovery outcome needs to be. If that has flexibility, then um, we can approach, we, we can get there more easily. Um, yeah, so I suppose you can see that in the way that all of the creative industries have responded to the pandemic and that being, I'm trying to talk around the word pivot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to say it, <laughs> but um, yeah, but yeah, really, just having that agility. And how do you practice agility? You practice creative thought. You practice creative arts. And um, yeah, so just reinstating or just introducing creative arts as a practice within community, normalizing it and not othering it. Community arts has a really incredible way of unothering um arts so you know with partnerships with um sports agencies or or community sports groups you know just simple projects like that are really significant and very identity focused for that particular community so the community then gets to lead how then they respond so point being community arts would be my answer to that it's an incredibly egalitarian approach to practicing a modality of art making within the community context that reinvigorates all of those ideas and skills in agility and pivoting and that's how we're going to actually be able to come out of this Hmm. where did you get to this place in your career Kelly, like what were the things that influenced you to find your way into this kind of work? I suppose I think that um, just naturally in every piece of work that I've done, any projects, I, I kind of just am a bit of a moderator or conduit or um, bridge. It stems probably from my family, but my actual creative life was that I was in a um, touring and performing recording musical group for many many years and that band still exists but moving regionally meant um, that I could focus on full-time parenting for a while and you can't really 
tour the world and have a child, a babe in arms. <laughs> it's not really possible. And um, yeah, so then soon after moving up to um, northeast Victoria, I started working um, for arts organisations. And that's just, you know, my passion for community has always been there and but my um now I get to bridge my passion for community my passion for creative arts my passion for creativity and also my passion for creative problem solving so yeah so now here I am in this role as um, creative recovery coordinator so one of the um challenges that we face in the position of disaster recovery is a kind of time limitation that comes from a whole raft of different influence of government policy and budget requirements, et cetera, et cetera. So in your role, one of your um, challenges is you're about to finish this position. It's been a fairly tight turnaround time for you to able to invest and advocate for the local artists that you're working with and also the role of creativity into the community recovery committees and local councils that you're dealing with. How do you think we we could kind of better work in this space? Obviously, if we got more time, that'd be pretty amazing. But meanwhile, how do how do you what from your experience in this position? Where do you see some avenues of opportunity where we can perhaps deeper the sense of longevity or sustainability in these roles? I guess it really just comes down to um, doing the work well enough to make the powers that be um, really take on the value of this work. I can't say, all I can say really is exactly what you've already alluded to, just more time, a permanent position, especially in areas of the whole country really, where these disasters are likely to um, happen again. And we know, already know, Regional Arts Victoria has been working in the King Lake Ranges for 10 years since the 2009 fires. So that's, and that work is still going and still needed. And this kind of recovery within communities impacted so severely from fire or other disasters is completely ongoing. So I think the positions need to be longer term ongoing positions or at least just um, read the evidence that and all the reports that have come out that that it's not a 16 month turnaround it's not a 10 month a 12 month turnaround it's it's like a minimum of three years that you need to be within communities from and that's a direct impact from one single disaster so I I'm, I can't really answer the question other than just say, it needs to be there all the time. <laughs> and not just because I'd like to stay in the role, but um, it's been a challenge really the last couple of months to kind of really strategically think about the projects that I can support in the time that I have left in the role, which is November this year. And, um, yeah, and that and that's, that's a really challenging, personally, that's a really challenging place to be in. But that's why within the package of my role was also um, some capacity building training, which was run by the Creative Recovery Network. So as you know, Scotia, because you ran the training, that meant that 10 creative leaders, arts leaders across the Northeast were 
trained within um, by the Creative Recovery Network. So we've we've done some kind of legacy work there as well. That's been built into the role. So, so we have just done this training from yeah. with um, representatives across the five shires that you have been working with. Where do you see um, you know a step like that leading into the future? What would you what would you like to see happen with this group following oh my this engagement? Oh, I can see so many things coming out of that. Well, one thing already is that I know that the group started networking immediately. So the those leaders, so already geographically across the northeast, there's connections. So that's like, and that's deeply embedded after the dense training <laughs> weekend. <laughs> so, so that is most certainly um, a really significant impact. Just the strengthening connections and strengthening networks, amazing. Um, all of those practitioners, whether they were um, already working in recovery or or had their own studio practice or already ran um, community involvement, uh, community arts projects. They've already started, um, you know, the the brains are working overtime, just coming up with ideas and and for the future pro, for future programs, and they're going to have more of a context in how to frame those programs. Really importantly, they're going to be focusing on their own self care and really strong messages about. Um, including that as um, part of their program training. So I think that there's really fabulous long-term benefits from that kind of um, capacity building of those 10 leaders. Um, I don't know. I Hopefully, I, without naming names, there's a few of them that I hope they get together and um, actually go ahead or put funding in for the programs that they were just, um, you know, the ideation of that weekend you know they were just there going absolutely berserko with their ideas so hopefully something really exciting comes out of it you've been involved in a lot of projects kelly over the last few months and probably have a whole history of other projects that you're aware of but can you give us an example of where you have seen this work really effectively in terms of the idea of collaboration across multiple aspects of the community and what the ripple on effect of a creative recovery project might be? Yeah, I can um, think of one example straight away of an artist who um, had a studio practice and had done a couple of street murals, I think, but they got funding that covered um, two murals in two separate communities. And so, well, first of all, that artist got to uh, work in a way that they hadn't before, really connected in with those communities and through the themes of eco-trauma was able to connect to the schools and deliver education around what had happened and the themes of the work were around eco-trauma. So the artist worked closely with um, the land care group and also with a local museum group and also with a primary school. The primary school, the artist was able to give talks to the students. Um, there was, you know, so many fo- kick-on impacts from just a small grant where the artists developed their own work, had the opportunity to be involved in the arts, then able to use education to speak about their role in the arts. So... 
just a whole stack of um, social connectedness and lots of networking going on and um, and also really vibrant, beautiful works up in the street, which which really has a really significant effect, impact on people who are just, you know, just a casual impact, you know, to see vibrancy in, within your community is an inspiration. So lots of, lots of really small um, steps, but really significant. This is probably a bit of a left of field question, but I'm kind of interested to know what you might say. But there's, um, I, I think often in this, what we've experienced over this last year, particularly with COVID impact, that there's a real tension often in the way programs or funding is given in the arts in the um, the kind of tension between community need and tourism and economic development. And what where do you understand where the two might sit or what the tensions might be and how we might resolve some of those? That recovery is always to be focused on uh, community and place and purpose comparatively to kind of an outside-inside need for economic revival? I'm not sure how I can talk about this without yeah. getting too political, but I have noted we like that... <laughs> I have noted that... The funding for the creative arts across the whole responses to the pandemic, and I'm not just talking about regional arts, I'm not just talking about recovery, um, has really just been, has been minimal comparatively to that of the money for um, tourism. So, and for me, that's a very metrocentric vision it's a very top-down kind of decision. It's not actually what communities need, in my opinion. I know that the tourism providers across the state and the country have been significantly impacted by, by the fires especially and then compounded by the um, pandemic. But um, all of the economic um, stimulus has been really pushed towards the tourism sector. I think that the tourism, uh, cultural tourism, and I think where the arts and tourism intersect is a really interesting space to be in. And there's a lot of potential, but when it comes to funding, um, funding creative arts or creative arts recovery for that sake and that sake only just seems to be um, completely misplaced or not really responding to community need whatsoever. So there's a bit of tension there. That's, that is the tension for me, is frustration. Um, that's what I recognise. But again, like I said, I do, I do think that there's a really interesting um, intersection there and those larger scale projects, um, creative projects, can be backed within a tourism context. So it's really important at the same time for creative practitioners or people sort of stepping into that space to understand that, that really that's where the money is, is, is um, developing projects in that space of of um, tourism so you kind of got to know it at the same time as um understanding the need to have those tangible frameworks whilst dealing in with and responding to kind of intangible needs of a community i'm just wondering kelly given that this was a new role for you and it's still not necessarily a very articulated place for creatives to sit mm. what might be some uh tools or hints or things that you've learned that you would pass on to other creatives who might step into a role like you have? I think um, 
I think so much of my knowledge has come from research. Like I've just really researched this space through the lens of um, trauma-informed care and through, you know, just that sort of self-care ethical lens. Um, It's a really strange space to be in because you're dealing with people who have been impacted significantly and um, as much as you need to be led by your intuition in that space you also have to have a bit of um, oomph behind you so for me that was through research and through some training and um, also through really strong support of from my organization around self-care so that is my biggest tip for people stepping into the role of somebody who is creatively um, assisting or uh, helping or promoting arts recovery. You kind of really got to love it. (laughs) You've kind of really got to uh, truly deeply be an advocate. Um, So I think it's also really important that the role has come from an arts organisation and I suppose that's also to its detriment. There's still a lot of work to be done in terms of the sector gaining respect and the sector gaining the acknowledgement of its sophistication. Um, but, you know, the, like I said before, you can only really prove that by actually doing the work and doing it well and making those connections and providing advice and advocacy of deep value. So, that's always been sort of my remit to just do it well and do it with passion. Yep. Fabulous. Thanks so much, Kelly, for joining us today. And, um, you know, really value your passionate insight and your contribution to this community so far. It's been great sharing that weekend of training with you. Oh, thank you, Scotia, and to the Creative Recovery Network. You know, I said it on the weekend at the training, but there's such an incredible um, deep well of knowledge and resource that you bring to the space. And yeah, it, it was really beneficial for me as an individual, as a creative practitioner, and also for all of those wonderful arts leaders in the Northeast to, um, to have learned from you oh, and the network. So Ooh. thanks. <laughs> My pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for joining me for Creative Responders In Conversation and a special thanks to Kelly Sutherland for making the time to speak with me. We'll include links in the show notes if you'd like to learn more about Kelly's work with Regional Arts Victoria. You can also find links to many other projects focusing on community-led initiatives and bushfire recovery in the resource library on our website at creativerecovery.net.au. I'd also suggest if you haven't already listened to our documentary series, head back to episode one through four in both seasons of Creative Responders to hear case studies and perspectives on a range of creative recovery projects. All our past episodes can be found in the usual podcast apps and also on our website, along with transcripts for every episode and links related to the topics we cover. We'll be back next month with another conversation. I hope you can join us then. This podcast is produced by me, Skosha Monkovich, and my creative recovery colleague, Jill Robson. Our sound engineer is Tiffany DeMack, and original music is composed by Mikey Squire. 
the Creative Recovery Network, is assisted by the Australian Government through the Australia Council, its arts funding and advisory body. Thanks for listening.